Well, howdy there, partner. Come on in. Sit down. Listen to Spell. This is T.C. Rollins. And this is Rain DeGray, but I have uh, much less voices and accents than oh, my co-host. I'm not going to use any other voices from now on for, through, no, no, uh, for no, the rest I... of this episode. I mean, well, actually, I can't guarantee that. You I'm can't sorry. guarantee that. I cannot That's... guarantee that. But welcome to the Dirty Talk podcast. If this is your first episode... You're in for a treat. You are. The way this works is we come out with an episode every week, but the even-numbered episodes, like this one, get released to you, the general public at large, and the odd-numbers episodes. All those odd episodes go on our Patreon, and you can find those at patreon.com backslash Podcast. And I want to start with a quick follow-up from last week's Patreon podcast, if you can remember what we talked about last week. We took the sexual narcissism test. We did. I'm going to touch on that in just a second. But first, I just wanted to tell you that after you dig up and skin your friend, the coin that you put in the scrotum is supposed to be stolen from a poor widow. So just so you know, that's, that's part of it that I left out. And for those of you who did not listen to last week's episode because you're not on Patreon, I'm sure that sounds kind of cryptic and you're wondering what the fuck is that all about? Well, maybe you'll just have to go listen to that episode and you'll find out. So but yeah, you have to steal the scrotum coin from a poor widow. It sounds very elaborate. It is. No well, wonder it didn't really catch on. Well, it seems like all their things are pretty elaborate if you remember how to build uh, a milk stealer. Or the Kivik, which was a very lengthy procedure for making that as well. Mm, yeah, but that's uh, that's like a Inuit-type dish. I thought it was Icelandic. No, it's from Greenland. Anyways, we did take the sexual narcissism index. I don't know if you want to share with our public at large what the results of that were, or we're just going to sweep that under the rug. I don't remember the results. Oh, you just conveniently don't remember the results? I don't. No. Oh, okay. Don't. Well, if you want to know the results of that, you can go back and listen to last week's <laughs> episode on Patreon as well. But I was curious because we did take the sexual narcissism index, and there's a number of different indexes this guy, Hurlbert, came up with. So right now, real quick, I'm going to give you the sexual excitability index. Because I'm oh, curious as to where you fall on the scale of sexual excitability. Some of our patrons actually also took this test as well. The sexual excitability one or the narcissism one? No, the one? sexual narcissism test. Oh, okay. Interesting. After we did it, yeah. I wonder where they fall on the scale of sexual narcissism. Well, evidently there's a number of tests out there. And I guess, uh, I think it depends on which test you take, but there is more than one. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are. There. This was... The ones I'm giving you were created by David Hurlbert from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And this sexual excitability one was first released in the Journal of Sex and Marital Therapy in the article, Key Variables to Understanding Female Sexual Satisfaction and Examination of Women in Non-Distressed Marriages. So I'm easily tiddly. satisfied. Are you? So here's yeah. here's what I'm going to do. You see this piece of paper I already have taped up here on my microphone. I see a piece of paper. I have taken this test already, but as you. So I am trying to guess oh. what your score on the sexual excitability test will be. So I have the answer right here, and I've pasted it up here so that you can tell there is no... Funky business going on. Right, right. No I shenanigans. See, I can see where your hands are. I yeah. can see where the paper is. So you can't 
so look so around with it. Yeah. I'm going to give you the test. I'm going to score okay. it. I'll give you your answer. And then I will show you on this piece of paper what I have guessed your answer to be okay. to the sexual excitability scale. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I am. And there's 25 questions. Let's do this. First question. I quickly become sexually excited during foreplay. So you can answer, for those of you who want to go along at home, you can answer all of the time, most of the time, some of the time, rarely, or never. Uh, all of the time. So all of the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I find sex with my partner to be exciting. All of the time. Okay. When it comes to having sex with my partner, I experience orgasms. All of the time. Okay. It is difficult for me to become sexually aroused. Never. Okay. During sex, I seem to lose with initial level of sexual excitement. Basically, you're, during sex, you lose your initial sexual excitement. You can start off hot, but then you lose it during sex. That has happened. Um... So rarely. Okay, so rarely. Uh, Okay. I feel I take too long to get sexually aroused. Not zero. Not at all. Never? No, never. Okay. Sex is boring. How do you vehemently disagree with that? (laughs) Is it by saying never? Never. Okay. I quickly become sexually excited when my partner performs oral sex on me. I mean, really, that's such a tricky... I'm going to have to go neutral with that because done well, it's amazing, but done poorly, it's torture. So some of the time. Yeah. Or so middle. Okay. Middle, yeah. Okay. Just thinking about sex turns me on. 100% of the time, always yes. Okay, so that is a yes. I find anal sex to be exciting. Oh, my holy fuck buckets. Uh, 150% yes. Okay, so I'm going to go with a strongly agree with that one all of the time on that one. Yes. When it comes to sex, I'm easily aroused by my partner touching me. 100% of the time, yes. Yes. Okay. I find masturbation to be sexually stimulating. 100% of the time, yes, definitely. Okay. I seem to lose my sexual excitement too fast. Uh, What? No. Disagree. Never. Yep. No. Okay. Kissing is sexually arousing for me. Disagree. So 100% or what? No, no, no. Like, I'm not, in the, not neutral, but it's a, it's a little negative. There's a lot of bad breath and bad kissers out there. I don't, like, totally hate it, but it's down there. Down there. So would you say rarely? Rarely, yeah. Okay. Even when I'm in the mood, it is difficult for me to get excited about sex. 100% disagree. What? No, never. That's what? Okay. No. Sexual foreplay is exciting for me. Neutral. So middle. Middle. So yeah. so foreplay doesn't do anything for you. No no no. It's it's neither good nor bad. Like it's not necessary. And but it's like no. It's just it's neutral. Like it can be very enjoyable, but it's it's not a needed thing. Okay. When it comes to sex, it seems to take me a long time to get sexually aroused. <laughs> I strongly disagree. Okay. So that is a never. Yes. Pleasing my partner is sexually exciting for me. Oh, strongly agree. Always. Okay. I have difficulty maintaining my sexual excitement. Never. Okay. I find sexual intercourse to be exciting. Always. Okay. 
when it comes to sex, I think my level of sexual excitement is low. Uh, strongly disagree. No, that's okay. never couldn't couldn't be more wrong. Okay. Even when I desire sex, it seems hard for me to become excited. Never. Okay. Giving my partner oral sex is sexually exciting for me. Always. 100% of the time. Yes. Yes. And last question. In general, sex is satisfying for me. Always. Yes. Okay. I am going to tally up your score. Okay. So you made a big deal about your, your guess have you done for my score, but it's off, completely off now? I don't know. Well, okay. We're back from the scoring. You scored, according to my calculations, which could be flawed because I don't know. Because math is hard. Uh, I don't know. The people listening didn't hear what we went through with this. We may have missed a question. I don't know. But what I had guessed was that you were going to get a 93. Okay. Your real score was an 88. So oh. I was five points off. So you, you are easily sexually excitable, but I think that maybe in my opinion, you were more sexually excitable than, than you are in real life. But you're still on the very high end of sexual excitability. I, I would also like to say in my defense that we had to do this twice and that your numbers, your math is a little wibbly wobbly My tonight, math might have perhaps. been a little wibbly wobbly. I should have gone and just, you know, said the number of the question out loud because then we wouldn't have had the issue that we had. But there you have it. You are very high on the sexual excitability list. Thank you. I figured you would be in the 90s. You were in the high 80s. I had to take the test twice, and there were possibly some missing numbers. Possibly. If there was a missing number, that would then put me in the 90s. So. Well, I accounted for that missing number. I gave you an extra oh. four on that one. Okay. Just because. All right. But then, you know what? My math skills might have been off. I'm usually Le pretty good at the math. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we don't all have strong addition days. Sometimes the numbers don't cooperate. Possibly. All, I'm all, all I'm saying is that you have now verifiable proof that you are highly sexually excitable. Okay. If I you didn't, didn't know before, I already knew that. You have taken the test and you know. Now you can oh, go around I, and tell I people. I bet you thought that I would score higher on the smooching. Mm, no, I scored you a two on the on the smooching when I took it because I knew that you weren't into smooching. What I what I knocked you down on was the. Uh, having oral sex performed on you because I know that sometimes you're not necessarily always into the oral sex. Well, no, no, no. No, let me clarify there. Well, it all depends the, on the person. Oral sex done well is mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. Oral sex done poorly is horrible. Yes. Which but, puts me neutral for it because I've had really well done and I've also had, please never do that again. Yes. And that's, and that's where I scored you on that. I think I scored you higher on the orgasms. So. I had hundred oh, percent for orgasms. What do you then your math sucks? Not on the second I said, time around. Oh well. Anyways, I, I said so, always. So maybe no. I was right. Maybe you are like a ninety-three. That was not, <laughs> I did a, I did always for the orgasms. Your you cannot add tonight. Okay. That, so I so maybe I was that. my initial my initial <laughs> idea was correct that you probably did answer, score like a ninety-three. So I was, was right. That's the, that's my takeaway. I was right. That's what you're. That's what you're telling me. And you can and and you cannot math tonight. I re, I specifically remember the orgasm question as an always. That was a five. That okay. Was top. Okay. Right. Right. I'm okay. not going to have you do any accounting for me, young man. Jesus. Well, since you are so sexually experienced, 
Uh, not experienced. Just, <laughs> I... You are so sexually excitable, and and it is fair to say that you have had a number of sexual interactions. As some might refer to you as sexually experienced. They they could. Mm-hmm. I would also yes. So I think that I deserve a higher score, and that your math is just well, a little question. We're in agreement tonight. that you're not one hundred. That you, you are 100. not like one hundred out of a hundred sexually excitable. So I I assumed correctly that you're probably in the mid nineties. Right. Okay. Right. You gave me a high B. I'm going to take a low A. Okay. A. She gets an A minus yes. for her sexual excitability, just for anybody who's keeping track out there. Right. In your sexual adventures, have you ever come across a prolapsed rectum? Yes, sure. You have to shove them back up with your finger. Mm-hmm. But there's another way that I learned recently. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of sugaring the rim or a sour patch kid or is it does it involve putting sugar on the sphincter yes okay this is a medical procedure this is actually what they do in hospitals when they are dealing with prolapsed rectums and so for anybody out there doctors actually use this doctors and nurses will sugar the rim will sugar the rim they don't call it that around the patient and they also don't call it a sour patch kid around the patient as well so it's like making a lemon drop it's just something like that so what they have done, and I was reading an account of a doctor who was saying when he learned this, because what it is is usually with the prolapse is that there's excess fluid, excess water in there that's pushing the rectum out. And if you take sugar and put it on there, it'll suck out the excess water, and then it's easier oh. to poke it back in. If you if you put your glove on and you try to shove the rectum back in after it's prolapsed, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it doesn't go. Then you get the sugar. So he was talking about how this happened when he was early on in a doctor, hadn't experienced this before. And then the person who was training him was like, here, this is going to be weird. We're going to the cafeteria and we're going to get some sugar packets. Because, of course, a doctor doesn't have a little jar of sugar in his office. Right. So they had to go to the cafeteria. They get the sugar packets. They bring them back up to the patient. And then they start sprinkling this sugar packets on the prolapsed rectum until it goes down in size, and then they can easily push it back inside. And if that doesn't work, then they have to call in the surgical team. But usually, most of the time, this will work if you sugar the rim. Now, I'm curious because I, I think of sugar as something that like attracts moisture So because sugar itself can get sticky. So the sugar actually draws moisture out from mm-hmm. the oh, – the, but then the sugar itself will get really juicy and, and wet, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. And he does warn, don't use sugar alternatives. No Splenda, mm. no Equal, no nothing like that. Okay. It has to be Could real, be the... the real dill okay. sugar. So if you are out there, first of all, this isn't medical advice. <laughs> this is just what I've read from a doctor explaining it. And there are some other places online that I have found verification of this, that doctors will do this. There's the the, the four-step process. You apply the gentle pressure with a gloved hand, trying to push it back in. If that doesn't work, you put the sugar on it, let the sugar set for about 15 minutes, and then it okay. should shrink it enough that you can get that rectum back inside. So okay. I don't know. I'm curious if anybody out there listening has ever sugared the rim before. I'm also curious. I have known a, a number of uh, performers that had prolapsed rectums, and they would just you know be shoving them back in. Mm-hmm. I don't know, without sh- sugaring the rim. 
they, but none of them sugared the rim. Had I this, had I only been listening to this podcast mm-hmm. and acquired that knowledge, I could have shared about Sour Patch Kids with a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Alas, yeah. I, I didn't learn that. Just be like, hold on, right there. I'm I have some sugar. I did once um, use liquid band aid on someone's butthole oh. because they're. Okay, oh, so, just the thought of that. Uh, well, because stings. they there was I didn't know how much it stung. It I stings had no like a fucking son of a so bitch. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> so they had a shaving cut and they right on the sphincter and they needed that baby sealed up. And I was like, well, we've got liquid bandages. Mm. I will put that on. And I had her bend over and assume the position and spread her cheeks. And I put the liquid bandaid on. And she shrieked and levitated. Uh-huh. Like, what was that? And yeah. I'm like. And I was thinking, she's being such a wuss. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's liquid Band-Aid. Like, yeah, what are you making such a big deal? I did a solid and I put liquid Band-Aid on her butthole. And it was a few years later, I myself experienced liquid Band-Aid. And mm. I was like, oh, she wasn't overreacting. That's really painful. Yeah. And I I wished more than once I could go back in time and apologize. Did you reach and out and apologize retroactively? I, no, I didn't. I, I wasn't able to locate her. Hey, remember a couple years ago when I put liquid bandit on your butthole and like you told me it was really painful and I didn't hold space for you and I didn't really hear you. And it's not like she caught me rolling my eyes, but internally I was like, what is she talking about? I have been on the receiving end. I should have warned her. This is really going to make your eyes water. Yeah. And I feel I feel bad that I didn't do that for her. Mm. And now you know you could have put now, some sugar on there first. Now, well, no, but she wasn't prolapsed. It was a cut. She oh, was a shaving. Whoa. She yeah, was not. A, no, it wasn't a prolapse. You don't want to put sugar on a cut. You don't want to put sugar on a cut. Now I had to do the liquid bandaid because she had a shaving accident. Mm. She was shaving near the slopes, and the blade slipped, and it went into the Ooh. slopes, and it was super ouchy, and she needed to be on camera, so everything needed to be held together. So mm-hmm. I, um, thoughtfully. Yeah, because uh, you can't have did, blood on camera. Nope, no, that's, you can't do that. That's mm-hmm. a no. So, mm-hmm. I do have a, a fun little fact about that, real quick, and then mm-hmm. we can move on to the next item. Okay. Uh, so the reason why you can't have blood and feces and vomit and stuff like that on camera, and you know why? The credit card processors don't allow it. Exactly. There's a whole list of things that the credit card companies won't allow in the porn and if it's in there then you can't have it on your site because they will decline to process your cards and they are basically the lords of the porn industry they decide everything yeah what can and cannot be in the porn right do you know who decided on a lot of these restrictions a big old puritan prudy pants I don't know if he was necessarily Puritan Prudy Pants, but the person that started putting all these regulations into practice back in the late 90s when porn started picking up online and there was this whole thing with the credit card companies. Sir Lord Stick Up His Butt. Uh, No, his name was actually Dick Held. No. Yes. Dick Held? Dick, Dick Held. He was a former FBI agent. And he worked for Visa's risk assessment division. So when porn started coming out online, they're like, hey, we got to figure out the rules of what we will and will not allow. So Dick Held. We're living in a simulation. Dick Held was in charge. This is an example of nominative determinism, which basically is like what you are named determines what your job in life will be. 
Right. 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 So, I was yes. actually doing some research about that this week, uh, and I tipped off thanks to Visual Machine who is one of our Patreon supporters. I went down a whole rabbit hole with that. And they've actually done studies where you like, you can look at someone's face and they will ask people to guess the person's name. Mm-hmm. And a very high percentage of the time, they can be like, that's a Gerald, that's yeah, a Jason. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I was looking at those studies myself. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing in that way, but, but I love this nominative, nominative determinism that yeah, Dick held, you can blame Dick held that you don't get all the weird, funky, crazy shit in the porn because Dick Held says no. He was holding his dick, and he's like, "Nope, not that." <laughs> wow, it's funny that we were both doing research on the same topic. That's not the topic that I ended up covering today. I have some pretty interesting topics. I recently saw The Northman. Okay, have you had a chance to see it? I haven't, but I heard it's heavier. It's good. It's not good. No, oh. it's 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 not. now. I loved the lighthouse. I loved it. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay, I love the lighthouse so very much. Uh, Robert Eggers, I think, is an amazing director, and I got so excited to see The Northman. I understand now why it flopped. The lighthouse is actually based on the original. Uh, it's the original genesis for what Hamlet ended up being. Shakespeare did not write Hamlet. There was a version of something based on this this Northman poem that was going around uh, one to five years before Hamlet was written by Shakespeare called Ur Hamlet, U R dash Hamlet. Hmm. So the actual concept of this has been around for a really long time. So the Northman it is basically an, an original version of what Hamlet ended up being. Mm-hmm. And it is not at all like the lighthouse. It is relentless. It is grim. People are dying constantly. There are no likable characters. It is just death and blood and suffering and pillaging. And it, it's basically almost like a, like a horror film. It's true and to life because life was pretty well, sure. brutal oh, back then. Yeah, no, I, the past was the worst. Mm-hmm. Like it was true to life. And you're like, this religion is, the berserkers are jacked up. Mm-hmm. Like the rating is jacked up. You You see where they're living and it's like they're living out in the most desolate climes, they can't have any food. Everything's snowing, and they're all miserable. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to start raiding because we need provisions. Mm-hmm. It a, a grim religion, and the Northmen. I will not. I will not watch it again. It was the creative very... anachronists never really look at yeah, that aspect like, of it. Do they they kind of are glossing over that. I'm a and sexy I'm... Viking. Mm. <laughs> There is no such thing as a sexy Viking. They were dirty and smelly and covered in blood and yeah, starving yeah. at the time. Right, correct, and and the Northmen very proficiently and um, thoroughly, extensively showcases that, and you're like, whoa! So good for Eggers for being true to his vision. Um, the Lighthouse speaks to me a lot more. Okay, uh, have you had a chance to see the Lighthouse? I have not. <gasps> I know it's got William Defoe. It's so good. It's so William Defoe is also actually in the Northman as well. Okay. So it's Eggers obviously likes working with him. Everybody likes working with William Defoe and his giant penis. <laughs> oh yeah, it just brings that to the set. 
He, well, it was going around supposedly that they needed to have a stunt cock because William Defoe's dick was so big it was distracting when he was playing Jesus. Uh-huh. And they had to imagine being the actor who's like, we feel that William Defoe's junk is too big and distracting from the whole Jesus thing. Mm-hmm. So we need to bring in smaller dick. And like, how do you get the role? Like, you look like a smaller, more compact version <laughs> because Jesus can't have an elephant trunk yeah. just wiggling in the breeze. Lord and Xavier d- would be packing them, right? <laughs> well, that's uh, a divine cock. But if you're going through the Greek and Roman, like you want compact and elegant, refined. Mm. You you don't want an elephant trunk swinging in the breeze. And mm. Defoe brings too much trunk to the table. Oh, okay. He was amazing in The Lighthouse. And The Lighthouse is so very different than the Northmen. It's hard to tell it's even done by the same director. Good for him for switching up his style. Among the in, incredible, the movie is so surrealistic, Lighthouse. You're like, well, what the fuck is going on the entire time? There is a scene with a giant mermaid vagina. The character that Robert Patterson plays, he okay. he keeps fixating on this mermaid. He's got a carved statue of a mermaid. The mermaid is is summoning him to the shore. He keeps building up with this. He's masturbating and and holding this carved statue of a mermaid. You're like, okay, what's happening with the mermaid? When you finally get to see the mermaid close up, she has a giant vagina, just huge mermaid pussy. Uh And it was done with as a puppet with that had bladders so that it could undulate and move. And despite the fact that the lighthouse was filmed in black and white, the puppeteer made a point to be sure to paint it in lifelike colors, even though it was going to be filmed in black and white. Lifelike and it, mermaid colors. No, no, the puppet of the mermaid's giant vagina was actually based on shark vagina. <laughs> okay, of course. They, they, well, no, they, they did some, they did some research. They were looking at oysters and shellfish because they kind of have a, a labial uh, mm. effect to them. But they ended up deciding that the shark vagina was the closest thing for the effect that they were going for. And it was not just that she had a giant vagina. What appears to be very large outer labia are actually pelvic fins that many fish have. So they would kind of splay out. So it looked like she was horny, but the pelvic fins would help remove through the water. Yeah. Now, there's so much happening in the lighthouse that the giant mermaid vagina is a couple seconds on screen. And what I love is that for a couple of seconds of a mermaid undulating vagina, you have to get a crew. You're the director. You're like, I want you to do research. Look into shellfish. No, no, no. That's not working. Shark vagina is the way to go. We're going to make a giant puppet, but it's got to have air bladders. We're going to paint it realistic. We even want though, authentic mermaid pussy, damn it. Even though we're shooting in black and white, we're going to take the time to paint it uh, with the right colors. And it's such a quick, like just a couple seconds on screen. And there's some like, how was your job? What did you do at work today? Well, I researched shark vagina and then we started making a puppet and it, it can move. So then there's someone on set whose job as the puppeteer for the vagina is to manipulate the air bladders so mm-hmm. that her hungry pussy like that's dedication to the craft well now i have to look at the credits for the film to see if one of the credits goes to mermaid vagina puppeteer 
<laughs> or, you know, but there's also probably like first mermaid vagina puppeteer and like second <laughs> second tier mermaid vagina puppeteer. Uh, according to the director, the uh, vagina was very grounded and earthy and believable, <laughs> while also being giant and attached to a mermaid. Okay. I you have to see you have to see I'll, the I'll, lighthouse. I'll watch it. It's, so so my takeaway so, from this is that you loved the lighthouse. Yes, and it's worth a watch. Yes. just for the mermaid vagina. Oh, for everything. The mermaid vagina is a small part of a truly epic film. Okay, but I'd say Pass of the Northmen. It's just just relentless death, mm-hmm. rape, raping slaves. Just everybody dies. Mm-hmm. Getting ba- just horrible. It's a very depressing film. There's no likable characters. It's uh, if someone has watched The Northman and thinks that it's amazing, I apologize for shitting on a film that is near and dear to your heart. But I would say that what I love about Wes Anderson is that there's consistent. I know I'm going to enjoy a Wes Anderson film. Mm. I walked into The Northman thinking I'm going to love this because I love The Lighthouse. No. It wasn't nearly enough mermaid vagina for your taste. Not enough mermaid vagina and uh, too way much death too many- and killing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody out there wants to make a movie that Rain will like, not so much <laughs> killing, more mermaid vagina. Yes, that's yeah, yeah. correct. Very good. Lots of cowbell. And cowbell. I do like some cowbell. While we're on the topic of animals, we're talking about sharks and selfish, I would like to move just slightly uh, into bees. Okay. They're they're also uh, living beings. I have some bad bee news. Oh, you know how uh, all of the bees are uh, dying off, and we're really having issues with that. Yeah, and we covered not too long ago on the podcast about how cockroaches are their reproduction style is shifting because of cockroach bait. Mm-hmm. So we are we have are managing to actually tamper with so many living things' reproductive cycles. A very common fungicide that is frequently used on wheat, apples, and grapes called, um, I'm probably going to butcher this, I'm sorry, bear with me, uh, finbuconazole, has an unfortunate side effect of making male bees, and in specific horned mason bees, smell bad. And so the female horned mason bees don't want to have sex with the male bees if they've been exposed to this fungicide. They prefer to get it on with male bees who have not been exposed. It's a twofold thing. Not only does it make them stinky, but exposure to the fungicide lowers their vibrational frequency, possibly by influencing. Your vibrational frequency is just feeling too low. I cannot mate with you. <laughs> it just sounds like something like a hippie would say. Well, like, it, I'm sorry, no, man. I just it influences. It influences their muscle contractions. Mm. So what a uh, the normally the bee will uh, vibrate his thorax in a very sexy manner, and oh. the women are like, "Ooh, ooh, he's vibrating his thorax mm-hmm. so vigorously, and he smells really good." And he gets exposed to this fungicide, and he can't vibrate his thorax in a vigorous enough manner, and he doesn't smell as good. And the female bees are like, "Dude, you're lower on the sexual excitability scale after." Uh-huh. Their potential partners have been exposed to this fungicide. It's only after we've made the mistake, we're like, whoopsie doopsie. We thought this fungicide was fine. It doesn't seem to affect the bees, but 
it lowers their their vibrational frequency mm. and it makes them not smell so good. And so the bees are banging less as a result. What you're saying is this fungicide is a cock block. That's what I'm saying. Bee cock block. Yes. As long as we're on the topic of cock blocks. Okay. I have one for you. I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed me complaining about the cold? All the time. Every day. This... <laughs> right this minute. Hey, hey, Rain. Uh, yeah. Is it cold? Are you cold? I'm cold. My toes are cold. Yeah, I'm cold right now. Mm-hmm. This means scientifically for a fact that I am not a hoe. No, you're not a hoe. I'm not. According to the great Cardi B. <laughs> the expert of all hoes. <laughs> the, she is. She, she claims that if you're a baddie, if, if you're truly hoeing down, a hoe never gets cold. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how cold it is. And I actually think that Cardi B has a point. Because some of the coldest temperatures I have ever experienced was in the before times, right before this pandemic hit, I went to York, England in order to see Helam. Mm-hmm. And I was so cold because it is February in Northern England. It is so fucking cold. And yet I saw they obviously were hoes. In mini skirts, you saw some hoes in the wild. I did. They how how cold was it? They were in high heels, mini skirts, and crop tops. The wind was so severe, I could hardly stay on my feet. And I shit you not, there would be packs of these hoes, and they would tack one bare shoulder into the wind and list bend into it. Mm-hmm on their heels so that they wouldn't get knocked over. That's how severe the wind was. I'm being plastered to buildings. I can barely stay upright. And they're just, if you lean into the wind and hit the angle right, you will stay up on your high heels. Mm-hmm. So cold. Not they, So this isn't just because you're a delicate California flower. Uh, it's not. Well, I mean, I am a delicate California flower, but they actually went and did a genuine research paper that was published in the British Journal. Of course, the Brits did it. Mm-hmm. British Journal of British Social- Journal of Hoeing. <laughs> Is there such a journal? I would subscribe to that journal. The British Journal of Social Psychology and the research paper. When looking hot means not feeling cold. Evidence that self-objectification inhibits feelings of cold. Have you heard of objectification theory? I have not. The more that a woman enjoys being objectified and considered attractive, the more immune she is to the cold. So women that really thrived on being objectified and looked at and enjoyed visually Mm -hmm. felt just as warm in miniskirts and bare arms as women in coats and jackets did Hmm. because their internal holiness was like a small furnace inside uh-huh. that kept them warm. And I've I've known people that obviously uh have a fetish for objectification and I'm like how how I'm freezing and they're in two band-aids and a cork and mini skirts showing they were just completely fine. Women low in self-objectification showed a positive intuitive relationship between skin exposure and perceptions of coldness. That would be me. Okay, so you don't want to be objectified. Uh, I don't. 
I don't have women highly focused on their appearance did not feel colder wearing less clothing. These findings offer support for the relationship between self-objectification and awareness of body sensations in the context of a naturalistic setting. My thing is that I, my self-esteem is pretty solid. I don't need like people, oh, she's so hot. Mm. I don't, that is not the fuel source that keeps me going. But I know people who are like, I, I love it. Tell me how hot you find me. Mm. Tell me that you find me attractive. And they can get by in a miniskirt. That warms I, their cockles. <laughs> yes, yes. And in my case, uh, actual heat and a jacket warms my cockles. I think that you would be cold in footy pajamas wrapped in a blanket sitting in a hot tub. Uh, true. Also, but that does sound nice. Now I want to be in a hot tub. It's quite soggy. I, I mean, would it get a little soggy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a bit, a, probably a bit excessive. But I do like a good hood, hoodie footy. Mm -hmm. And then a hoodie footy, and then you add a blanket, gets even better. Right, in a hot tub? And that's a little soggy, perhaps. But I might just try it for funsies. Maybe in a sauna. So, so all models are notoriously cold. Mm -hmm. There's You will never hear a model say, I am hot. Models run a bit lean, generally, and we also feel cold a lot, I have noticed. When I see a bunch of models hanging together, they're always like, I'm cold. Are you cold? I'm also cold. We're so cold. That's what you talk about on set. I'm so cold. Are you cold? I Yes. Also, I am cold. It's amazing that you used to shoot almost seven days a week in a giant, cold, unheated warehouse. Oh, but I thrived because internally I was warm because I was doing something I was passionate about. Mm, and you had hand warmers. And I had hand warmers. I would stick them in my armpits mm -hmm. and down my butt uh, in, and in my stomach. Oh. Yeah. Not like I wouldn't swallow them, but I'd put them on my tummy. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing. I think that we should uh, leave it there, call it an episode. So why don't you give uh, all these fine folks a cold, non-hoey, jaunty salute? <laughs> okay. All right. Non-hoey, little cold. I'm going to go put some socks on after this. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I learned ever so much. I hope that you go check out the lighthouse and appreciate the giant mermaid vagina puppet because someone worked really hard on that and mm. your appreciation and dedication to the craft. Uh, thank you all. We love you and we will catch you next week. Yeah. And if you want to go take your own sexual excitability test. I uh, was at least an A minus. Your I math know. scores I are know. a little, little off. You are the most sexually excitable of all the sexually excitables. No, I mean, I'm, really, there's certainly not. people more than I, but I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, and I'm sure you've there. known them. I'm sure that you've known people I've, that will score 100% yes, on the quiz. Yes. Those are the ones that needed to have their, their anuses sugared. Mm. Anuses sugared and they don't get cold. <laughs> yes. Never got cold and had a massive prolapsed anus and would fuck any. Yes. Yes. They would have they would have scored a hundred while wearing a band-aid and a cork and a little bit of sugar to <laughs> a little bit of sugar on the rim. Yeah, yeah. Sour patch kid all the way, baby. Excellent. Well, may all your rims be sugared and may all your sour patch kids be properly sucked. Yes. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later. Bye.